My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said there in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. It's the thought that counts. Usually that phrase is offered when reflecting on a gift to underline the fact that it's the effort, it's the consideration, it's the sacrifice that someone makes that's the most important part of a gift or an offering that we make for someone else. And there's a lot of truth to that. But sometimes that can really be put to the test. On a retreat a few years ago, there was an activity where we asked people to share what was the worst gift either given or received that you could experience. And they kind of ran the gamut. One was an obviously used candle, I mean, it was already started to be burnt down. Another one said that they had gotten a pair of custom-made pajamas, which is even worse than it sounded because they weren't even made yet. The person opened the gift and it was all the fabric and all the materials with the promise that the gift giver was going to make some for them, and they never did. The person that received it wasn't too upset about that. And then someone shared how their grandparents had purchased for them at a garage sale a used coloring book, where most of the book had already been colored in with like green felt pen, which brought a lot of laughs, and someone joked, well, That's just what every little kid wants. And then the student explained that it happened just a year earlier on his 18th birthday. His grandparents thought it was a good gift since it was all Disney related and this kid was going to be studying animation and design. They still weren't sure whether their grandparents were punking them or were serious. Is it the thought that counts? Hearing those stories, you might wonder what kind of thought went into them. Tomorrow is my mom's 80th birthday. And one of the, yeah, I know, right? One of the great things about my mom is that she often takes the gift work, uh, the guesswork out of gift buying. Raising three boys, she knows that we will all try to be coming up with something that's going to make her happy, something that she's going to enjoy, something that she needs. But being men, we're not always the best at intuiting what those things can be. This past Christmas, I got her these leg massagers because she complains about her legs bothering her all the time and she was all excited when she opened it and then said she couldn't tolerate it for more than two minutes without it being too painful for her legs and that's the short form of the story she was a lot more diplomatic about it so oftentimes months in advance she'll be very clear and direct with us saying you know what i really would like for christmas it obviously takes the surprise factor out of it But knowing we're going to make some effort and spend money on something, she wants to make sure it's something that she could truly use and appreciate. 
I used to resist her suggestions, and, well, obviously I still do, as recently as this last Christmas, and from time to time I still try to surprise her, but in another sense, I appreciate where she's coming from. I can be equally as hard to buy gifts for. Believe it or not, I have more than my share of crucifixes and rosaries and pretty well set on black socks, so I don't really need any more of those things. When offering a gift, though, ultimately it is the thought that counts. But it's helpful when the effort and the consideration and the sacrifice can, can be focused and directed more intentionally. And it's not uncommon for us to see advertisements saying, what do you get the man who has everything? Well, reading and praying with these scriptures, I was wondering, what do you get the God who created everything? Because today's scriptures, he gives us important feedback to reflect on. In that first reading that came from the very first book of the Old Testament from Genesis, we hear this very interesting episode with Abraham, one of the patriarchs of the Judeo-Christian faith. And at this point in Genesis, God had already interacted with Abraham through the words of others, through visions that Abraham had experienced, and had already entered into a covenant with him, promising him the one thing that Abraham and his wife Sarah wanted most, which had not come to fulfillment and seemed impossible at their old age, having a son of their own. And we hear that this will be fulfilled. Well, in today's reading, God shows up in this somewhat mysterious manner to Abraham. The reading began with, the Lord appeared, so that's being said as a singular being, as three men. So Christian theologians have seen this as one of the earliest revelations of our one God being a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. I'm theologically geeking out on that. The Catholic nerd part of me is the priest had to point that out to you all. All that aside, we can kind of come away with the wrong message as we see Abraham and Sarah extending hospitality and making this, this meal for these heavenly visitors, which concludes with them reiterating the promise that the birth to the son of Sarah and Abraham is going to come about. And we think that that must have been because they cooked a good enough meal. They're getting what they wanted. Especially for us who are Italians, we must figure that has to be the case. But the reality is that this meal is coming right after God had renewed his covenant with Abraham. Covenants are what form unrelated people into a family. And families eat together. So this meal is one of communion. It's one of relationship for Abraham with God. It was a celebration of their covenant. The thing, the gift that God wanted was Abraham's undivided heart. He wanted his faith and his trust, which he had. And that's what they're celebrating with this meal. Similarly, in this gospel, we hear of another meal that's being offered for God at the home of Martha and Mary. Oftentimes, we're drawn into this encounter and we see the, the distinction between the two sisters' actions and see it as examples of a contemplative and an active role in the life of faith. And after the acknowledgement that we need and the importance of both, the active work of Martha always seems to come in second place. But I was reading one commentator's reflection that I had never really considered before. 
Jesus has already demonstrated he can produce a multitude of bread and fish for thousands of people. Did he really need Martha stressing to produce an elaborate meal for him? It's a good question because it's obvious he loves Martha. He's grateful for her hard work. He appreciates the thought that is being extended. But Jesus, who sees and knows our hearts, can see and hear that she's lost sight of why she was doing what she was doing. And in her efforts, in her consideration, in her sacrifice, there's some jealousy, there's some envy that Mary's sitting with Jesus in communion and relationship while she's working. Jesus didn't come to have some of Martha's good fish and bread. She simply wanted to be with them. That was the gift he desired, simply to be with them. And in fact, he's the one who's offering the gift. God wants to spend time, intimately personal, close time, in the most normal ways, at table with them. What these scriptures are, are trying to point out to us is that so often when it comes to our relationship with God, we can lose perspective, particularly when it comes to the practice of our faith, that people can sometimes fall into thinking of prayer as trying to make God happy, or even attending Mass as just fulfilling an obligation, missing the, the awesome realization that when we enter into prayer, the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God who created, redeemed, and sanctified us, the creator of everything, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who knows every inch of our being more perfectly than we could ever hope to, that he cares for us more than we could ever care for ourselves, that that God is waiting for you and for me. He's waiting for us to turn away from all that distracts us, all that we busy ourselves with, all that we think is important, that this triune God basically is in somewhat of a waiting room waiting for us to make time for him. That's what prayer is. That when we turn our hearts and minds and souls and attention towards him with faith and trust, we're finally in, in relationship with him and in communion with him. And even more at this Mass, which as Catholics we believe is the most perfect of prayer. He speaks to us through this his word and he feeds us, nourishing us with the only food that we could ever want or need the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ really present in the Eucharist that we receive. God makes himself vulnerable and relatable and accessible even more closely than sitting at the table of Martha and Mary. It's a good and beautiful thing for us to want to offer a gift to God. But for the God who has created everything, what he wants most is just us. Yes, it's the thought that counts. May we put the effort and the consideration and the sacrifice in offering him what it is he truly desires.